0: Hi, I'm Antonio Centeno, and you're listening to the Personal Image System Podcast. Welcome to the Personal Image System Podcast. I'm Antonio Centeno, your host and the founder of Real Men Real Style. In this show, my goal is to help you learn to leverage the science of style to create your command presence. This is a personal image that sends the signal of competence and trust and will help increase your earning power and attraction levels. All show notes can be found at RealMenRealStyle.com along with hundreds of videos, articles, and infographics. Today, we're going to be talking about the ultimate guide to the perfect fitting dress shirt. So, this can also apply to casual shirts as well, but mostly we're talking about button down, button up, whatever you want to call it with a collared shirt, longer sleeves. And the details I'm going to go to, again, you can apply to a lot of other clothing because what you're going to find is I go back to the fundamentals here. I'm talking about fit, fabric, and function. If you're not familiar with my style pyramid, it is what much of my teachings are based off of because I want to keep it simple. I want you to understand that really dressing sharp is simple. It's about wearing clothing that fits you. Wearing clothing that's made from the right type of fabric, material has the right build quality, and is functional. Underneath the function falls the style and the image, the style that you want to send. And I'll talk about how each of these play into because within each of these points, I can go really deep. Now, if you want more, you definitely want to go check out the show notes. They're going to be over at realmenrealstyle.com forward slash episode 82. In those show notes, I'm going to link to infographics. I'm going to link to videos because I do think that this one would definitely be supplemented by visuals. But, I am going to go into a lot of detail here in this podcast, probably more than I covered in my video, more than I cover in a lot of the writing because, hey, I can. I love this longer form of content. And if you're enjoying this podcast, definitely go over to iTunes, go over to Stitcher, wherever you're downloading this, SoundCloud, and leave a review leave, you know, click on, you know, give it a thumbs up, leave some stars, you know, of course, be honest and straightforward. But I do find that just simply the interaction, one, it lets me know people are listening to this thing. And it helps other men find this information. And women, I know we've got about probably 5 to 10% of our audience are ladies. um, And I do find that I I think this information just needs to reach more. Because how many times do you go out there and you see a guy and he's wearing a shirt that just looks bad on him? It's, Way too large for him, or maybe it's worse—way too tight on him. Um, the fabric just doesn't look good. There's just something off. He's wearing either the wrong pattern for the occasion, or it just looks really cheap. And you over—you look at the style; it just doesn't fit the occasion, or it's something that is really dated for a particular time period, and it's not something that's timeless that you would get many miles out of. So, the goal of this is to help you understand all of that, so that you can go out there. You can buy less, you can wear it more, and at the end of the day, you can get more value from the clothing that's filling up your wardrobe. And you can build that interchangeable wardrobe, which I talk about again and again. It's that wardrobe in which the shirts will work with the suits, will work with the sports jackets, can be worn by themselves with jeans, can be dressed up, can be dressed down, and in a sense, you can put things together and not even have to think about it. So. Breaking this down, let's first talk about fit. Now, the elephant in the room is that you really, you know, if you're going to – if you want perfect fit, probably the best thing to do is to go custom. But you can buy something off the rack. And, in fact, I've got certain companies that I go to that I find they're off-the-rack shirts are really close to a great fit. Now, it took me a while to find them and for me, some of those brands are not cheap. I could, you know, almost for the same amount that I would buy from those brands, I could buy custom. What I like with some of those brands though is, hey, it's just easy to find them, easy to buy them. Um, You know, although there are certain custom companies that once they have your measurements, once they have their particular styles, it's pretty easy to get that. Sometimes there's a little bit more of a weight. Obviously, they're making it custom, but I would definitely go out there and explore in the video and actually in today's podcast. I will recommend Taylor Store. Now, You can use the code RMRS40 for 40% off. Guys, they're the real deal. And you can only use that on your first purchase if you go back and you're a repeat buyer just use RMRS20 and they'll give you 20% off. But they really are wanting to acquire new customers. That's how I were able to get that discount. But I've got like six of their shirts I think I show in the video. I've been wearing them for over a year. I just got three new ones. I love their shirts. Um, But it really comes down to fit because of all the three things I'm going to talk about, if you mess up on the fit, it doesn't matter if it's a $500 shirt. And, yes, there are dress shirts out there that cost over $500, but if it doesn't fit you properly, it's it's not going to look like a $500 dress shirt. It's going to look like a cheap shirt that's way too big and you should give it to your to – your, maybe your older brother who maybe has a little bit more weight or taller or something. But, you've got to nail that fit. So, when we talk specifically about fit, let's first look at the shoulders. When you put a shirt on, it needs to fit you at the shoulder points because if it doesn't, then you need to go try something on. This is something that can't be adjusted. The shoulder points need to be at your shoulder points. If they're going too far down the arm, if they're going way too far up into the shoulders towards your neck, it's just a bad fit. Don't buy that. Next up, we want to look at the fit in the chest area. Now, the chest and the torso, if it is even close to being too tight or you don't have, you know couple – but at least one – I like to have one inch of room at least even on a slim fitting shirt. I I, I don't like to go below one inch because there could be a little bit of shrinkage. And I like to be able to move my hands around and not, you know, risk tearing those buttons. But if you see those buttons starting to stretch a little bit on the front don't buy the shirt. The thing with shirts, unlike suit jackets or sports jackets, is there really isn't any fabric to be able to let out. Yes, there are some that do have that, but I don't recommend it. It, It's something you want to err on the side of it. could be slightly a little bit too large because even if you buy it a little bit large, you can always take it in to get it adjusted, especially if you lose some weight and you know you're going to keep it at that level. So, we've talked about the torso, the chest, the stomach, and the shoulders. Now, let's look at the sleeve length. If The shirt is too short in the sleeve length, you can't buy it. There's just – we just can't do anything with this. If it's too long, that's fine. You can actually get it adjusted. If you bought it custom, then you want to make sure that they adjust your measurements. But, I like to be able to put my hands up right in front of me and for the shirt still to cover my wrist bones because I look at it like this is I'm going to be sitting and driving in a car and I don't want the shirt hiking up. Some guys. Prefer it a little bit shorter because they're they commuting to and from work. They're not putting themselves in that position where their arms are gonna be outstretched for a prolonged period, and they want it to actually fall really nicely when they're just walking around and standing, looking, look, uh you know, walking through town. Maybe you're in New York, Chicago, LA, whatever it may be, probably not LA, because in LA you're driving all the time. But those other cities where you're commuting, I get it. It really comes down to a personal preference, but if you're gonna err on one side, go a little bit long. Now, when it comes to the length of the shirt, again, if you put your arms up above your head and that shirt comes all the way untucked, it's probably too short. And this is an issue because many shirt companies, to save money, they're always looking to make those shirts as short as possible. When I get a custom shirt made, I oftentimes ask for them to make it a little bit longer if I'm given that option and if not, I make put in the special request. Reason being, is I like having that extra bit of fabric there. I feel a little bit longer of a shirt, something that when I raise my arms up, the, the shirt doesn't come untucked. I probably have about an inch left at that point. That's, for me, about the bare minimum. So, what this means is when you've got your arms down, that shirt is probably going about three and a half to four inches below the waist. That is my personal preference and that's a little bit long. You can usually get away with about two and a half two inches uh, is to me about the shortest. It depends also if you've got a bigger stomach area, you're a bigger guy, you're going to want to probably give yourself a little bit more room there. Another nice thing about actually having that extra material and this is something probably no – very few people would ever do, but if you've got a favorite shirt and you've had it for a long time, let's just say the collar starts to wear out or the cuff is somehow, you know, burnt or it's damaged, you can actually cut material – cut fabric out of the bottom of that shirt to remake the cuff or to repair the collar. Yes, it has been done. In fact, there's a classic story. I think it was – gosh, who was it? Maybe it was was sticking with somebody. I think it was either – maybe it was Bernard Rotzello. He wrote the book Gentleman. He talked about this, how he was looking at museum pieces from uh, the Duke of Windsor and how he noticed that they had cut the bottom of his shirts because he just had favorite shirts that the fabric just wasn't available anymore and he wanted to be able to continue to wear them and his tailors were able to make that happen. Hence, that's why I – for, you know, those reasons that I've never actually used it, but I just like the idea of it. So, the perfect fit – the key to getting this is to knowing your own skin measurements and to having that available, especially when you're shopping online. Because a lot of companies, they're actually going to give you the measurements of the shirt that you're looking to purchase if they're really good. And so, you could actually, hey, use that to accurately because you don't want to just buy from a company un- unless you know the fit that, it, that sells at medium, large, small. That, that kind of sizing isn't going to be accurate or it's not going to get you exactly what you want most of the time. A lot of better companies, what they're going to have is they're going to measure and they're going to give you the measurements from the center of the neck to the sleeve and they're going to give you your neck measurement. So, for me, I'm a 33, 15, and 3 quarters. So, my neck measurement, 15 and 3 quarters from the center of my back out to where I like that sleeve length to be is about 33. You're going to see some of them have a little bit of a range, 32 to 33. I always make sure that, you know, I – in, in that case, you, you never, I don't know why they're not exactly accurate there, but they're sometimes not. So you'll want it in that case, try it on. But that's usually going to be an indicator that they're a little bit more specific in the details. And it is important around that collar that you have an accurate fit there. So when you tighten up the collar and button it up, you need to be able to get in two fingers. If you can't get in two fingers, that's an issue because usually as a man ages his neck does not get thinner and it's going to be something that you don't want that choking you especially when you got to go grab and wear it with a necktie i do have some shirts in my closet which are older and in, are a little bit tight in and around the neck i just know not to wear them with neckties and i'm not wearing neckties as often anymore but if you're wearing that necktie you may, you better make sure you get that collar right cuz collars pretty much are impossible to open up. You can slightly move the button there and that will give you a quarter of an inch, but past that, it starts to look odd and it isn't something. There are also button extenders in the neck area. I don't recommend them for most men for a prolonged use period. I think they're great for emergency purposes, but when you get up close, it just, you know, what happens is the collar opening never – you just start to notice it once it expands out. So, We've talked about the collar. We've talked about sleeve length, chest, waist, length of the shirt, the shoulders. If you can nail all this on the fit, you can get the perfect fitting shirt. Now, another thing that you can do here is that you can actually take one of your best fitting shirts and you can measure that out and you can have those measurements. And you can improve upon that. There are many companies, uh, Taylor Store included, in which you can actually measure your shirt and send them your best measurements and they'll build a shirt based off of that. And you can even adjust it a bit. Like if you know that the shirt you just wish it was a little bit longer in length, or you maybe wish the uh, the collar was a little bit wider, you can measure from usually the center of the buttonhole to the button and say, Okay, you know, measuring that, I get Basically, 15 and three quarters over a 15 and a half here. I know I'm a 15 and three quarters. So I have no problem buying a shirt at 15 and three quarters, sometimes even 16 inches. But all right, so that is it with fit. Make sure you nail the fit and understand that one person's fit is not another one's. Some people like it slim, some people like it closer fitted, some people like a loose shirt. There's nothing wrong with wearing a loose shirt if that's what you're going for, if that's what you feel comfortable wearing. So, next up, let's talk about fabric. So, a couple things, I'm going to talk about five things in the fabric. We're going to talk about the, uh, the colors and the patterns. We're going to talk about fiber type. We're going to talk about fabric thickness and the count. We're going to talk about the weaves and we're going to talk about the stitching and construction, okay? So, first off, let's talk about the colors. Let's talk about the patterns. So, light versus dark, usually white and light color blue are what we're going to see in dress shirts in general across the world. I think that a man's wardrobe, if you're in a conservative environment, you should have at a minimum close to 10 white and blue shirts you can use with very variations, mixes of each. You can have a white shirt with blue stripes on it. I think that white and blue are just universally some of the most versatile colors out there. They work with most skin tones and they're easy to find and a great way to build the base of your wardrobe. If you're wearing a suit, you know, three days, four days out of the week, it's just great to have your bases there. Then, from that, you can start to bring in other light colors. We're talking pinks, we're talking lavenders, uh, we're talking even, you know, mint greens and things like that. Really, it depends on what you like. You can also start to bring in small patterns as well. Now, once you start going to darker shirts, we're talking about navies, we're talking about uh, other variations of blues, we're talking about maybe dark greens, dark purples, some of the dark reds I've seen out there. Understand, those are not dress shirts. Those are now casual shirts. Some guys like them, I think that some of them, especially when they're trying to wear them in a business environment, especially the dark greens, the dark reds, I just don't think that they work. They sometimes can work for individuals if they're a bit flashy, if that's their individual style, if they own that look, and if they're trying to draw attention and stand out from the crowd. But I find for a lot of guys, that's simply a color that they picked up at a cheap menswear store and it just doesn't look good. So, now, so we talked about light versus dark. Let's talk about now patterns small repeating patterns that from a distance almost look solid. And when I'm talking distance, we're talking about 10 feet. I think those are fine. They're never going to be as formal as a solid in light like a light blue or a white, but, but they're good. And they can they can definitely break up and they can work with a lot of the clothing in your wardrobe. All of a sudden, you start to bring in larger patterns. And this is going to be larger checks. This is going to be larger, thicker stripes um, like bangle stripes and other things like that. Understand that this is fine, but it becomes much more casual, especially checks uh, where we've got both up and down cross patterns with multiple colors uh, and you start to – that right there all of a sudden becomes ultra casual. Um, not – well, I wouldn't say ultra, but it definitely is casual. Now, when we get into dots, when we get into florals and things like that, understand that that is casual. And you can mix it with a suit, I think, but it's going to be an entire casual affair. It's going to bring down everything. I think you can stand out. Uh, but the problem with that is that it's very memorable. It's something that people will remember you wearing. You may get compliments all day, but it's not going to be something that you can, if you're traveling, you want to take with you uh, simply because you're going to, you know, run out of – you want you want to pack less, be able to take more. And a white shirt, you could wear three days in a row assuming that you washed it and kept it clean. And no one – everyone's just going to think it's a different shirt. It's so – in a sense, it doesn't draw attention to itself. And that's the problem with certain patterns and certain colors. Now, talking about fiber types, uh, the most common ones you're going to see out there is going to be cotton. You're going to see some linen. You're going to see – occasionally, you're going to see silk. And you're going to see a lot of synthetics. And then, you're going to see blends. Blends are where they take everything I just talked about and they try to create to get the best of both worlds. They try to get the properties of cotton mixing it maybe with a synthetic so it has a little bit of stretch, it has a little bit of, you know, give or anything like that. It used to be that I was very, very – I would not recommend synthetics, but I think that they've come a long way in the last ten years. I think they've come a long way in the last 40 years uh, because 40 to 50 years ago, most synthetic shirts, they were just ex- – they were really early and it was something that they weren't breathable. Uh, they were very cheaply made. Um, you would have issues that if you iron them, even at the low settings, it would it would damage the shirt or melt it or leave a sheen on it. Since then, they've really changed things up and there are some companies just killing it with, uh, with synthetics, but I do still default to cotton because – It's proven. It's incredibly durable. And that's something cotton doesn't get a lot of credit for is that you can be rough. You can wash this. You can get stains. You can throw bleach on it sometimes. I mean, cotton is going to stand up to a lot of washings. It's going to get better, I think, over time. It takes well to a hot iron being able to press it and shape it. When it comes down to non-iron fabrics, it's a mixed bag. If it comes from a highly regarded company, I would say give it a shot. Some of them do a great job and they they really get the right balance and I've got a couple non iron shirts that I think are great because, hey, simply they they work well and I don't have to worry about ironing them. I have had other ones though that have been cheaply made from cheap materials and they kind of hark back to that time period, I mean, what I talked about where it's just things are – it's just not breathable, it doesn't feel good and I was wanting to get rid of them. Now, linens, I love linen, especially during the summer. And the interesting thing about linen, and we'll talk about this a little bit about uh, when we get to fabric thickness and things like that, but it is very breathable usually when it's from the right size fabric thickness and it's got the right weave, uh, which a lot of companies are paying attention to that. And I find it's just a great summer look. It also gives a little bit of a thicker, heavier, more casual look. So, linen in general is not something you want to wear in most formal situations unless it's a linen pocket square. Now, when it comes to silk, I try to avoid it. I think it's way too much maintenance and you could go with a very high uh, – basically a very tight weave um, or a very – very thin fabric thickness uh, on cotton and you're going to get the same look. It's going to be much more durable and you're not going to spend a ton of money on cleaning bills. So, speaking about fabric thickness, let's talk quickly about this. So, understand let's get down to the actual fiber. So, this is what we talk about cotton uh, fibers and you've got long versus short strand The fiber is actually what we see at the base down there. The fibers are then woven into yarns. Yarns are then combined into form thread. Thread is then what is used to make the fabric. So you get that? It's like – so they're all built off each other and it really comes down to that base material that was used, the actual fiber, the length of it, the strength of it, the quality of it. And if you look down at fibers at the microscopic level, what you'll see is they actually are shaped very differently. Some like synthetic ones have unique shapes like, you know, octagons. Uh, other ones that are more natural, let's say like wool, are going to actually have more of a U-shaped uh, cotton, you know, is going to be more of a circular with it almost looks like, you know, basically almost looks like a human hair. Uh, actually – or did I get that reverse? Somebody can correct me. I'll, <laughs> I don't have my charts in front of me. But basically, you see all types of shape and that has a big effect on the properties of that fabric. So, weeds. Now, when I talk about weaves, I can't talk about without understanding warped and weft. So, warped and weft is basically the direction and the, you know, fr- from one goes from left to right and one goes from top to bottom. If you can imagine, we'll start off with a simple plain weave. And this is when you have one over one. So, imagine those threads and you've got one over one. This is a very simple weave often called poplin Broad cloth. You've seen it before whenever you've, you've ever woven together a basket or something like that. It's something that we consider to be a very simple weave, although don't get it confused with a basket weave, which I'll talk about in a second. The next weave I want to talk about is a twill weave. And that's that's where a weft that runs over and under multiple warps, so, hopefully that didn't confuse you, but basically it's not a one-over-one, it's where you've got maybe a w- one goes under, then it goes under two, it comes up, goes over two. Now, the reason that you would use a twill weave is it be, it's very durable. It can give a little bit of a sheen and a pattern can emerge. So, this is where we see herringbone patterns coming out of Next up, let's talk about the basket weave. And, commonly what we see here is this is going to be over on, uh, you know, Oxfords and things like this. And, basket weaves are where you take two or three different threads and you go one over one and you're using mixtures of threads. And, this is where you can take like two blue threads, mix it with a white, you know, have a white thread as the third one and then you can go three over three. And, from a distance, it looks like a solid. I mean, from, from two feet away, it looks like a solid. But then, you start getting up close and you start to see a complex little like check, like little pattern in there. And that's what, again, we often see in a wide variety of different fabrics. And it gives a little bit of complexity, a little bit of depth. Um, and it's a good weave, not as strong as the plain or twill, but it's, it's very classic oftentimes though has a bit of a rougher look to it. So, stitching and construction. Understand that The stitching and construction, if you've paid attention to a lot of the other details, this is harder to look for, but it is something that I think is a clean and good indicator of high-quality shirts. So one thing I do is always turn the shirts inside out. You can look at basically the stitching. Are there loose threads all over the place? Did they use a single stitch versus a double stitch? Um, And the difference is is a single stitch oftentimes they've got to go slower, they've got to sometimes go back over uh, and it's uh, stitched both ways. They'll use – they need to use a high-quality thread. That's really difficult to tell though, Uh, but but if they're using a single stitch, that's a good indicator. Nothing wrong with double stitches, but sometimes they can leave to puckering uh, and they're oftentimes – it's less expensive to do that. But, I kind of like the double stitch because I always like how you've got basically the uh, – you know, you've got actually – I like the thing of backup. But, you do want to pay attention to the stitches per inch. And what you're looking for is more than 10 to 12 stitches per inch. Uh, once you start to see that, basically what that tells us is that the sewing machine was going slower as it was bringing things together. If you can imagine, if you could go faster, you can get out more shirts per hour, not always uh, – you know, possible when you're trying to run something really fast to make as much money as you can from as little material and with the – shirt sure that that button is cleanly attached that it looks like it's got a shank on it. And that's basically where the button sits a little bit higher. It's not flush against the fabric. Uh, a button shank shows that they've actually kind of circled around with the thread and it allows it to easily go on and off. It's a small thing, but to me, it's a big thing. Also, I want to look at the interlining. So this is a little bit more difficult, but you can hold the shirt up to the light and you can look in there and see if they have interlining. You know, one thing I – Again, Taylor Store, I love the fact that they do pay attention to the interlining and all the details I talked about, but if you're buying something off the rack, let's say you're going into, you know, I don't know, Suit Supply, you're going into, you know, another company I love that uses synthetics as Ministry of Supply, you can go in and you can see, you know, how they – if you hold that shirt up to the light, you should be able to see some of the interlining. Although, Ministry of Supply, they break a lot of rules because they can with uh, a lot of their high-tech like NASA fabrics and stuff like that. So, We've talked about all this. Now, let's get into function aka the style. So, I'm going to start off and I think one of the most important things on a shirt is the collar. Why the collar? Because it frames the face. Talked about the fit. I assume you got that right. Let's talk about the collar style. So, a couple – I'm going to break it into three types. We're going to have spread, We're going to have point and then we're going to have casual collars and I'll talk about each of them. So, the spread is basically where the points start to angle out and I'm not going to say an exact degree, but I will see, you know, it depends on, you know, how how the collar fits and things like that. But, this is something that is it starts to spread out more. You have spread, you have widespread and I like these if you're not going to be wearing a necktie with the shirt because what I love is it keeps the points out of the way. And to me, it just looks better. Most of my shirts, I'm always looking for a spread at least or a widespread collar. There are some other names that float around, but in general, that's what we're looking at. Now, the point collar, this is where the points start to come. in, And and the points, uh, definitely go look at the visuals which are going to be in the show notes at realmenrealstyle.com forward slash episode 82. But that's when the points start to come together. You don't want to go for an extreme points. And I think if you watch Goodfellas. Uh, was it Joe Pesky? How you pronounce his last name? He has that one. I've actually had people when I used to own a clothing request to get that collar made. That was way too extreme. But what you what you see in a point collar, this is made to be worn with a necktie. So, it's one of the reasons why so many shirts do not look good without a necktie is because the collar actually this, the style of it is not made to actually hold up and, and to look good without that necktie. Now, you can get around this. And there's another company I've talked about before called a Million Dollar Collar. I think they do a great job by creating a strong placket, which is the second thing I'll talk about on the uh, the front of the shirt. And so, you've got usually three types of plackets. You have the no placket, you have the covered placket, and then you have where we just see the placket. And the placket's a fold over of material usually where the shirt is buttoned. And it just gives – sometimes it's a little bit more strength to it, but I think going with no placket or going with a regular placket, really when it comes down to levels of formality, it doesn't matter uh, because on a tuxedo shirt, you're going to actually have a different different style on the front. So, we've talked about the collars. I guess I, you know, need to really quick hit back on this because I didn't talk about collar stays. When I'm looking at high-quality shirts. I look for collar stays. Now there are high quality shirts in some companies that they don't. They just realize most guys aren't looking for it. They're going to lose them, and they just go ahead and sew them in there. That's fine if that's what you want. But I like removable shirt stays. I also like to be able to use metal shirt stays. Uh, there are magnetic shirt stays, so that's another way of actually getting the uh, the collar points to stay where you want them. But. The thing you have to remember with collar stays is they do require a bit more maintenance, especially if you're using metal stays. Uh, If you wash the shirt with metal stays, it can damage the shirt. Hence, why plastic stays are so popular because they're cheaper, you can own a bunch of them. And if you wash the shirt in them, you know, you're not going to be out any money. Next up, let's talk about the cuffs. So, we're moving to a very different part of the shirt over next to the, the wrist and the hands. But I do think that you need to get a great looking cuff. Uh, the reason being is that's gonna poke out from under your sports jacket or your suit. It's gonna be noticeable. And it is something that, you know, there are three main types of cuffs. So, first off, we've got just the single button cuff. And this is something that many of us have seen almost all dress shirts out there. Probably 90%, 95% off-the-rack dress shirts are gonna have the single button cuff. Next up, we're gonna see two-button cuffs. The two-button cuff is going to usually be a little bit longer, it's a little bit fancier, and you're going to see it more on custom shirts. The reason being is it's harder to adjust, it's going to require more buttons, and and most off-the-rack manufacturers just aren't going to do it because of that added complexity. I like it, it's a little bit fun, but it is something that if you're a smaller man, you want to make sure that that cuff is built proportionally for you. It also is going to be a little bit more casual. Now going up the level of formality, let's talk about French cuffs. French cuffs are simply where the cuff is made extra long, it folds over, and then it has no buttons. Instead of using a button, we use cufflinks. Uh, The cufflinks will go through and there are variations of French cuffs and actually these cuffs usually at the edges. We're going to see it where there's, you know, it's squared away, we're going to see it where it's got a curved edge, and we're going to see it where it's got a basically a cut edge. I'm not going to say one is better than the other. Oftentimes, these are small style preferences that people have. But pay attention to the cuffs. Now, let's move a little bit farther down. Let's look at that gauntlet button the gauntlet button is just a little piece of history. They call it the gauntlet uh, because related to gloves and where all this comes from. But The idea was a man could be able to roll his jacket and shirt sleeves out of the way so that he could perform dirty work without getting anything. So, the gauntlet button is more of a legacy. I like it there because it gives me a little bit more freedom when I'm rolling my shirt sleeves. Next up, let's go back up to the top of the shirt let's look at the yoke. The yoke is going to be the back and basically where the shirt rests on your shoulders. Now, most yokes you're going to see out there are single yokes. Occasionally, on high-end bespoke shirts, you will see a double, you know, a split yoke. Now, I don't think it's necessary unless you have one shoulder that is longer than the other and you've got to get that thing specifically custom made and it's got to hang just right. Otherwise, it's going to look odd. But, for ninety nine point nine percent of men, I do not think that they need a split yoke. So that's something some companies talk about, or maybe some even offer. I think it's it's really not needed. Uh, Pockets and epaulettes. So, this is something that if you have pockets on the shirt or you have epaulettes up on the shoulders, understand that this shirt now is becoming more casual. I prefer all of my dress shirts to have no pockets. Occasionally, I will get one with a pocket. I'll leave it there because, hey, you know, it's just not well, – what you can get – you can sometimes – especially if the shirt's new, you can cut it right off. So, that, that's something that's pretty easy to fix. But a lot of, you know, off-the-rack shirts, people put the pocket there because some people like to have pens or carry something in the pocket. Me, personally, I don't use it and I really don't recommend using it because if a pen leaks or something, you've got a ruined shirt, not just a ruined pen. But the epaulettes up on the shoulder, this is something we don't see very often anymore. We do see it sometimes on casual shirts and this is basically it used to hold rank insignia. Nowadays, I do like it occasionally on a casual shirt especially if a man wants to build up his shoulders, look a little bit taller. Oh, and getting right back over to pockets, you will occasionally on a shirt see a covered pocket and sometimes on both – basically both uh, both sides of the chest, that definitely makes the shirt very casual. Now, let's go over to buttons. I talked about them briefly in the construction, but buttons, you usually want them, especially in a dress shirt, to be very close in color to the shirt. So, if you have a white dress shirt, you're going to wear, you know, white or, you know, basically, uh, what is it, uh, Mother of Pearl light-colored or ivory-covered, uh, colored buttons on it. If you're going to have a dark shirt, you want to have dark buttons, you can change this stuff up. You can go with, uh, you know, a white button with a black shirt. Some guys like the, the contrast there. It, can, it, it makes a shirt more casual even though that shirt is already casual to begin with. Uh, but it's going to draw a bit more attention uh, to, to the center area, not necessarily a bad thing. Also, you'll see sometimes in and around the buttons, people will use contrasting stitching and things like that to draw attention there as well. Now. With the buttons, I will say that I like Mother of Pearl. Mother of Pearl usually is going to be more expensive, is usually an add-on. It, it, was, it disappeared. Um, it used to be really popular and Mother of Pearl actually doesn't come from Pearl. It comes from clamshells and these shells oftentimes were we'll found in areas like Muscatine, Iowa uh, along the Mississippi River. Uh, but it, because of the how harsh laundry detergent was, it was actually destroying the buttons. So they went to plastic. Then they realized plastics a lot cheaper. It's easier. It's more consistent. Easier to get. So all of the mother of pearl production pretty much disappeared. Nowadays you can find. I think we're getting them out of Australia and a few other places. But it is something that uh, I like, and I I think it's just beautiful to have on a uh, on a custom shirt or a high quality shirt. So, we talked about the placket, uh, now let's get over to the bottom style of the shirt. Usually you're going to see it where the front and the back dip down more than the center. area and in that center area, sometimes you'll also see a gusset. A gusset is just an extra piece of material that's sewn in there to prevent it from uh, tearing or getting ripped apart, give it a little bit more durability. Some companies, I think pink shirts, they actually put they actually put a pink gusset. It's a small thing, but I just thought it was really clever uh, marketing on their end without having to say their name, they just put a certain color of the gusset there. But um, the bottom style tells you can the shirt be worn tucked or untucked. If it's a dress shirt, it's always tucked in. No, there is no way around – it's a dress shirt. Now, you can I guess, get it adjusted. You, you could adjust the style and go for a straight across the bottom on the, butt, the, the, the shirt style and that would be something that is technically made to be worn tucked or untucked. Usually, those are going to be a bit shorter as well. Now, when I talked about if you're going to wear like a check pattern shirt uh, that has maybe double covered pockets on the chest, epaulets, maybe that type of shirt you could wear untucked. And it's made to be worn that way, you know. Again, this is kind of going beyond what I'm talking about here, but I think I've given you enough in today's episode to go out there and be able to build, to look for, and to create your own ultimate dresser. Because what we want here is for you to find the perfect dresser for you. So remember, fit, fabric, function. And if you want more, again, go check out the show notes. They're going to be over at realmenrealstyle.com/episode82. Thank you for listening to the Personal Image System Podcast. If you would like more information on men's style, business communication, and grooming, go check out realmenrealstyle.com. There, you're going to find my free ebooks and our premium courses to help you take action on the information that will improve your life. I'm Antonio Centeno, and until next time, stay stylish.